Okay, grab your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 43. We're gonna trust the Lord to cover another chapter. If you need notes, raise your hand. But um, um, we've just got a short amount of time this morning to look at this chapter. So let's pray, and then let's see what God has for us in Genesis chapter 43. Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name, and Lord, we confess that we need you. Lord, without you, we will, we will be heretics. We won't be able to rightly interpret your word because we, we don't know how to approach it right. And so, Lord, we are trusting that through the preaching of your word, through the work of the Spirit, that you'll open our eyes to your truth. Lord, we don't wanna just know things intellectually. God, would you speak to our hearts? Would you help us to apply your words, your word, your truth to our lives and then be glorified in and through us. God, I'm asking that if there's anyone here today that is not sure that they know Christ as Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that today they would see in the example in the life of Joseph how great the Lord Jesus is, how great his love is for us and that they can come to him, they can come and dine, they can come to him and receive life eternal. And so, Lord, I ask all of this in Jesus' name, and Lord, that you'd bless us. Amen. Okay, Genesis chapter 43, we're gonna see Joseph in, or Jacob in complete despair. Uh, his family is getting ready to starve to death. Verse one says, and the famine was sore in the land. Oh, we're gonna title this section, verses one through 15, tension and a promise. Promise is your first blank. The famine was sore in the land, and it came to pass when they had eaten up the corn which they had brought out of Egypt, their father said unto them, go again, buy us a little food. Look at that. They can't exist for any length of time without Joseph, can they? So get this down in your notes. You can try and live without Jesus, typified. He's pictured by the life and the story of Joseph that we're studying right now. You can try to live without him, but you will starve. So don't miss that picture. They can't live without Joseph being their supply, so also the believer. Your ability to thrive spiritually is dependent upon the person of Christ himself. Colossians chapter one, verse 17 tells you why. He is before all things and by him all things consist. You cannot consist without Jesus. This, all things, right? This pulpit cannot consist without Jesus. Remember what Pastor James said? The energy that, 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 that uh, undergirds and keeps the universe running, they can't see it. Um, they, they call it dark matter. That's because they don't know up from down. They don't know light from dark. It's the light of God's word. In the beginning, God said several times and a whole lot of stuff happened, okay? That's how it, this pulpit consists by the living word of God. By him, all things consist. Man, if Jesus ever just changed his mind, if he ever just took his word back, thank God he can't, uh, all things would cease. Acts chapter 17, verse 28 says, for in him we live and move and have our being. Your existence is dependent upon him. Okay, so turn in your Bibles. Keep a, keep a bookmark here in Genesis chapter 43. Let's go camp out in John chapter six. I want you to see this principle, the way Jesus teaches it. John chapter six, we're gonna pick it up in verse 30. The Jewish people come to Jesus 
They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? And what dost thou work? And so then to prime the pump, to get Jesus thinking straight, get Jesus thinking the way they want him to think and work and operate, they said, how about feeding us? Okay, verse 31. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. I mean, if you're really who you say you are, give us bread from heaven. That's really what they're getting at. That's what they're just politely pressuring Jesus to do. They want him to to multiply some loaves and fishes. They want him to produce food. Give us heaven, bread from heaven. Now watch Jesus' response, verse 32. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. But my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is he. It's a person. It is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. And then they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. They didn't catch the he, okay? They didn't catch that this bread is a person. Give us this bread. They're like, we're hungry, it's time to eat. Let's do it. Uh, give us a sandwich that will, that will last and fuel and work in our bodies, energize us forever. That's what we want. <laughs> Verse 35, Jesus said unto them, he just makes it plain, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Okay, so there is a very real danger. Okay, these are people, these these are people who consider themselves a a peculiar people before the Lord. God's chosen people. Uh, They have a a God-minded, a word of God-minded, a God-centered, a word of God-centered mentality. Uh, It's how they think. But they, along with believers today, there's a very real danger of viewing Jesus just like any other person, that he can only do what others do. And so just like Joseph's brothers viewed him as a despicable, a despisable little brother, no, 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 that's not who Joseph was. Joseph would be, literally, God would use him to be their savior, to keep them all from dying in a time of great famine. He was gonna be the key to life. They would receive life from him, of him, right? They're gonna get corn, they're gonna get grain from Joseph. These men who come to Jesus in John chapter six, they want him to do something miraculous, but it's what anybody else could do, go provide food for our hunger. So Jesus keeps going, verse 36. But I say unto you that you've also seen me and believe not, all that the Father giveth me shall, shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus is very clearly explaining how he is the bread of life. 
how they can partake of him and live. It's through believing on me. And if you'll believe on me, you'll live forever. I will raise you up in the last day. Look at the response in verse 41. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Well, they just, I mean, he, right, because he explains, I mean, just a few moments ago, he says, he, right, Moses gave you not that bread, verse uh, 32, but my father giveth you true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. And they're like, give us, a, give us that, give us that sandwich, give us that subway, right? We, we want that sub sandwich. Now he's explaining to them, you must believe on me. That's where the life is gonna come from. You're gonna, you're gonna have to come to me trusting in me. And so now they're murmuring. Oh, oh, you mean you're the bread. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I am come down from heaven? They're just viewing him just like any other man, just like Joseph's brothers viewed him as a despisable little brother. No, he's the savior of the world. They missed it. No, he's a pretentious little snot who has dreams about us submitting, subordinating ourselves to him. Well, yeah, because that's the position God's giving him. So viewing the Jesus this way, temporal, only human, only a source for physical help, this is a big mistake. Again, notice how they start in verse 31. They're looking for a sandwich from Jesus. We have a temporal need, a, 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 a physical need in this moment in time. Could you put a Band-Aid on that for us? No, you need something far more than getting your belly filled. You need life, life eternal. You need life, life abundantly. Well, they can't see that. They want a small temporal boon that will not last, just like the sacks of corn did not last for Jacob's family. They brought back a little life, right? A little physical provision. No, what they need is a restored relationship with Joseph. Hello, somebody. Are you seeing where we're going with this? They need to move in. They need to live with Joseph. Well, that's exactly how it works with Jesus. A man needs to abide with, abide in him. Just keep, a, just keep here in John chapter six. Look what Jesus says in John chapter 15 and verse four. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. With me all things are possible. With me is life and life abundantly. Verse six, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. How are we gonna effectively be learners of Christ, followers of Christ according to his word? Well, we need to spend time in his word. We need to abide in Christ. This, brothers and sisters, is the bread of life. The word of God is more necessary than our daily bread because that's where our spiritual strength and vitality comes from. So keep going with Jesus in John chapter six, verse 43. You cannot, right, Joseph's family, they can't live without him. You can't live without Jesus. So Jesus explains it. And this is where, this is the part that that just freaks people out. 
They think that, that, I mean, you got people who will, you know, the way God gives us his word, the way it's written, it's written such a way so that if you want to let it offend you and not pay attention to what it's saying, uh, it will do that and you will have your excuse to thumb your nose at God and go on ignorantly rebelling against the Lord. If you will humble yourself before the word of God and say, this looks rough, man, this looks tough. God, what are you actually saying here? Right, if you'll do that in the Ephesians 4 structure that God has you in, you've got brethren in your life that are there to be used of God to help build you up in your faith. You need to work out these tough passages in the word. Uh, The answers to all the problems in John chapter six are right there in John chapter six. He already said this is a spiritual paradigm that you need to understand. But here's here's the explanation that freaks everybody out. Verse 43, Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, murmur not among yourselves, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they shall be taught of God. They shall all be taught of God, or be all taught of God. Every man therefore hath heard, that hath heard, and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of the Father, he hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, again, here's the key to the whole passage. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Come, buy without price. It's just based on your faith. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. You say, well, for the last 2,000 years, people have been believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and then they die. No, they didn't. Not one person who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ ever died. Now their bodies fell asleep and they decomposed but their life was not sourced in their beating heart. It wasn't sourced in their flesh. It wasn't sourced in their belly and its capability to take a sandwich and convert it into fuel so that you keep moving around in your, in your meat robot, right? No, your life, I mean, literally, when you get saved, you are separated from your life in the flesh. Your spirit is joined to the Lord's spirit himself, I mean, the spirit of Christ dwells in you. You are now in Christ. You're seated together in heavenly places in Christ. Your life is hid in God in the person of Christ Jesus. Your life is, you you know, I I use this illustration from time to time. You can say, Pastor, I hate what you're saying. You can stand up, you can pull out your nine, pop three or four caps in me, and think to yourself, you spend the rest of your life in prison. Thank God I, I shut that raving lunatic up. All you did is move me from the body to the presence of the Lord. You can't kill me. Nothing can kill me. I already have eternal life. Does this make sense? This is a, pay attention to what Jesus is saying. He will not die. If any man, right, that a man may eat thereof and not die, I am the living bread, verse 51, which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. Okay, so don't miss this. All this teaching is about faith, not physical needs, not temporal needs of the physical body. So he says it's a a faith proposition. He shall live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh, 
which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? I mean, he's teaching cannibalism. That, and they're saying this because they're not paying attention to what he's actually saying. He's not talking, from the beginning, he says it's not about what you stuff in your mouth, it's what you believe on in your heart. He can't be more clear in this passage. Well, he wants us to saw off his arm and, and roast it. Then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh. I mean, he just, he just doubles down on it. He, gives, he just gives them everything that they need to be offended. But again, what are we talking about? It's a, what are you believing on? Do you believe on? Do you believe on the sin bearer, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, who bore in his body to the cross of Calvary? He bore in his flesh our sin, nailing it to his tree. Do you believe on that? Will you partake? <laughs> Here it is, verse 53. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and then he doubles down, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. How are you eating Jesus? Okay, these guys can't see it. It's by faith, not by mouth, right? Not by masticating. That's not how you eat Jesus. You believe on him, which he already, cleared, he already very clearly showed us that. As the living Father has sent me in, I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead, he that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So is Jesus promoting cannibalism? No. In verse 47, he very clearly explains that it's a faith issue. He actually says that multiple times in the text. Now watch the disciples' response in verse 60. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, does this offend you? <laughs> I mean, Jesus is funny. I mean, that's just so good. Oh, are, oh bless your heart, are you offended? <laughs> what and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up to where he was before, which they would, they will actually see that. Those that stick with him will. It is the spirit, again, he gives the key, like in case you didn't catch it the first time, I'm telling you clearly what I'm talking about. It is the spirit that quickeneth, that maketh alive. The flesh profiteth nothing. These words that I speak unto you, it's not you as a cannibal getting some temporary, right, some temporary bump in life so you're not starving to get death. That's all that it does. That runs out, you will die. No, 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 that's not what we're talking about. These words are spirit, he says. They are life, but there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, who should betray him. You know, Jesus was betrayed by Judas for what? Something temporal. Jesus, what Jesus was offering to him, it wasn't enough for Judas. 
He wanted something that would bring him, I mean, he was, he was at least thinking long term. How many sandwiches can you buy for 30 pieces of silver? He betrayed him for the physical. You know, Jacob's family betrayed Joseph. I wonder, we speculated, did, he, did they get 30 pieces of silver? I don't know. They sold him, they betrayed him for a, 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 just a small, short-term, temporal gain. No, Jacob's family must be reconciled back to Joseph. They must be, right, they must believe on Joseph if they're gonna have life in the midst of this tribulation. So here's the problem for Jacob's family. Look back in Genesis 43, verse three. Judah knows they can't go back to Egypt to get corn. Judah spake unto him, saying, the man did solemnly protest unto us, saying, you shall not see my face except your brother be with you. If thou wilt send our brother with us, we will go down and buy thee food. But if thou wilt not send him, we will not go down. For the man said unto us, ye shall not see my face except your brother be with you. And Israel said, wherefore dealt ye so ill with me as to tell the man whether ye had yet a brother? And they said, the man asked us straightly of our state and of our kindred, saying, is your father yet alive? Have ye another brother? And we told him, watch this now, we told him according to the tenor of these words, we, could, we, could we certainly know that he would say, bring your, bring your brother down? Could, how could we know he was gonna require this? But look at what they say. We told him according to the tenor of these words. What I'm explaining to you, Dad, this is what we explained to them. No, 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 remember? They lied about Joseph to Joseph. One is not. One is not. Yeah, we got a father, we got a little brother back at home. There's one brother, you know, he's, he's gathered to his, to his fathers. He's gathered to his brethren. He, he, he didn't make it. So they're still continuing to tell twisted truth. They lied to Joe about Joe. And now they're just continuing that, they're hiding that lie with Jacob. Verse eight, and Judah said unto Israel his father, send the lad with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and thou and also our little ones. I, watch this now, I will be surety for him. Of my hand shalt thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. For except we had lingered, surely now we had returned this second time. So Judah, interestingly, was the one that came up with a plan to sell Joseph. Now he's begging Jacob to take Benjamin to Joseph in Egypt by being surety for him. I will be his guarantee. So instead of being rid of, desiring to be rid of another little brother, he is now placing himself as surety for Benjamin's life. He's now laying his life down for his little brother. So Ju Judah's growing. You know, he still hasn't come to a full acknowledging of his sin yet. Uh, that's gonna come very quickly in the next couple chapters. But he is growing. He is maturing. And so don't give up on God's people. Yesterday they were a betrayer, but man, God's at work in their heart and life. Don't throw any way, don't, don't throw anyone away that God shed his blood to purchase. Don't do that. You say, well, they're a hot mess. Well, pray for them, but don't throw, I mean, at the end of the day, God's at, I mean, are you growing and maturing in the Lord? 
Are you a little more sanctified today than you were maybe 10 years ago? Let me, let me, let me, let me phrase it another way. Are you much less of a jerk than you were 10 years ago? Guess what? The people that God puts in your life, God's at work in them too. He's growing them. He's maturing them. Husband and wife. They finally get married, right? Man and woman finally get married. Now they're husband and wife. Oh, I'm so happy. Until you find out you want different things. Now you're arguing. Nobody's willing to, nobody's willing to die to self and, and submit to their God-given roles. And, and that, creates, that just generates more conflict in the house and you think, man, oh God, please, bring death to one of us. <laughs> I, w- I wish I had written in in my vows some provision to walk away from this hot man. You know, like you're, you're literally pr- praying for God to kill your spouse or kill you. Like, like how messed up is that? Uh, well, you know, marriage is the great, I mean, it is the great tool that God has in his arsenal to conform you to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will, you you get married, you absolutely will learn how to die to your rights, you will learn how to die to self, or you're you're not gonna last long in that marriage. What is God doing? Well, over time, you grow, you mature, and then you realize you have the greatest treasure in this person that God has placed in your life. Outside of your salvation, there is nothing more valuable that the Lord has given to you. Is this making sense, brothers and sisters? What's happening? God is changing you. You're growing. You're maturing. And, and you know, year two in your marriage relationship, you're praying for death. And now you're praying that your spouse will live. I mean, I'm, I, can just, I can say it again. It's already on public record. I will be all kinds of hacked off if my wife dies before me. Men, stereotypically, die before their wives. That would be very handy for me. I don't want to have to bury my wife. I'm a jerk. I want her to have to bury me. Uh, that's, just, that's just where I'm at. I, I, the last thing I would ever, I, like I never want to lose this woman, okay? She is so valuable to me. Uh, there were a few times, <laughs> about year two, maybe year three, absent from the body is present with the Lord. Take me, Jesus. I can't take this anymore. Don't throw people away. Again, don't miss what he's saying. Verse 11, their father said unto them, if it must be so now, do this. Take of the best fruits in the land in your vessels and carry down the manna present, a little balm, a little honey, spices and myrrh, nuts and almonds, and take double money in your hand and the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks, and carry it again in your hand, peradventure it was an oversight. So in other words, take, you're gonna come with three times the payment, right? The payment that's already owed, plus double for what we need. Peradventure it was an oversight. Take also your brother and arise and go again unto the man. And God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may send away your brother and Benjamin. If I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. He's like, I'm gonna lose this boy. We're all starving to death. I see it, you know. Um, if, I, if we don't go get corn in Egypt, Ben's gonna die. There's nothing I can do about it. We have no food here. 
So he has to take the chance. Mom, dad, you have to realize you cannot provide for, you cannot protect your children their whole lives. Uh, when they're toddlers, they start walking around, you go through this time of just kind of half panic for, for a couple years. I mean, like the little boogers are just always trying to get themselves killed, you know, and so you're always, you're putting, you're putting bumpers on stuff, and, and uh, some, I mean, some parents make their kids wear helmets. I mean, it's just, you know, it's tough. You worry about them all the time, keeping them all alive, and you're trying to, I mean, the stairs are a big deal. Getting your kids to learn how to take the stairs is like, that's like a, you know, maybe they'll live now, and so you just, you, you work through all of that. Let me tell you, the second most terrifying time in the life of your child is whenever they go off and they are now living their own life as a young adult. And you know they don't know everything. And they don't know how to be suspicious when they should be suspicious. And they don't know how to move forward when they should move forward. And you're worried about them making just these huge, catastrophic, life-altering mistakes as, as a, a young. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, young people aren't dumb, okay? They're, they're, they're actually, they have brains that work really well. The problem is they don't have all the data, right? There's so much that still must be learned. And so, you know, when that kid moves out of the house, this is another moment of panic for the parent. Some parents make the mistake of trying to run their kids' lives by, by remote. And all you're gonna do is embitter your kid. At some point, you gotta just give your kids to the Lord. Right, you train them up in the way that they should go, but ultimately you entrust them to the Lord. When my kids were young, I gave all of them to Jesus. You'll be a better father to them than I ever would. Uh, now I still worry about them, I still pray for them, but at the end of the day, you have to entrust your kids to the Lord. But don't miss this, Israel has to come to grips with the fact that he might be losing a third son. First he loses Joseph, then Simeon, and now maybe Ben won't come back. And so he prays that God Almighty, that El Shaddai would grant mercy. God, you're all powerful. You can do anything. Take care of my boy. Verse 15, and the men took that present, they took double, their, they took double money in their hand, and Benjamin, and rose up and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. Okay. So they do it. Let's title the second half, Transition and Panic. And when Joseph saw that Benjamin was with them, he said to the ruler of his house, bring these men home and slay and make ready, for these men shall dine with me at noon. And the man did as Joseph bade. And the man brought the men into Joseph's house, and the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house. And they said, because of the money that was returned in our sacks the first time we brought in that he may seek occasion against us and fall upon us and take us for bondmen and our asses. He's gonna put us in slavery and he's gonna steal our rides. And they came near to the steward of Joseph's house and they communed with him at the door of his house and said, oh sir, we came indeed down at the first time to buy food and it came to pass when we came to the end that we opened our sacks and behold, every man's money was in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight. And we have brought it again in our hand, and other money have we brought down in our hands to buy food. We cannot tell who put our money in our sacks. And he, the steward, said, Peace be unto you, fear not. Your God and the God of your father hath given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. And he brought Simon, Simeon out uh, unto them. 
So it is interesting, verse 23, Joseph's servants know about the Lord, so obviously Joe's making disciples in Egypt. And praise the Lord. Uh, this steward is clued in, verse 24, and the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water and they washed their feet and he gave their asses provender and they made ready the present against Joseph came at noon. Okay, let's make sure the money's in a big pile right where we think Joseph will be sitting. Uh, they're, they're, they're ready to make sure they know that he has to know we're not thieves. So they make it ready for they heard that he should eat bread there. So in verses 11 and 12, here again in verse 25, don't miss the picture. They're bringing gifts in order to curry favor with Joseph. They think they can buy their way out of certain death and destruction, but they can't. They can't buy his favor, they can't buy his grace. Joseph just wants his family, so also it is with Christ. You know, Israel, their father is like, take the best of the land, right? Take presents down. Uh, take double money. Take the, take the original money back. So they give the present, right? They're, they're presenting it to Joseph because they want to buy his favor. They can't do it. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present, which was in their hand, into the house and bowed themselves to him to the earth. So again, here it is, verse 26, the dream is being fulfilled. His brethren are bowing before him. So a noon meal is pre prepared for Joseph's 11 guests, for his 11 brothers. When they present their gifts to Joseph, right, what are they doing? They're bowing. So these little sheaves are before the wealth of Egypt and they're bowing before Joseph. And he asked them of their welfare and said, is your father well, the old man of whom you spake? Is he yet alive? And they answered, thy servant, our father, is in good health. He is yet alive. And they bowed down their heads and made obeisance. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, is this your younger brother of whom you spake unto me? And he said, be, God be gracious unto thee, my son. And Joseph made haste. He had to run out. For his bowels did yearn upon his brother. And he sought where to weep. And he entered into his chamber and wept there. And he washed his face and went out and refrained himself and said, set on bread. And they set on for him by himself and for them by themselves and for the Egyptians which did eat with him by themselves because the Egyptians might not eat bread with the Hebrews for that is an abomination unto the Egyptians. And so you see, it's time to eat. Joseph's brothers are eating in one place Joseph is eating in another place. The Egyptians are eating in yet another place. They can't eat with Joseph because doing that's an abomination to them, but this guy can have him killed in a moment, right? He is literally Lord of the land. What he says goes. Okay, so just very interesting, the dynamic that's playing out here. Uh, they're in league with Joseph. They're gonna, yeah, if Joseph wants to present as an Egyptian, I mean, he is the word of the king. He's the word of Pharaoh himself, so, so forget about it. But notice verse 32. The Egyptians despise Israelis. And God used that mentality to keep the Israelites from intermarrying with the Egyptians during the 400 years in Egypt. 
That's what allowed, right, that, that racism, that, that mentality of, of disgust is what allowed God to form them as a mighty nation when he brought them out uh, of the nation of, uh, of, of Egypt. Verse 33, they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright and the youngest according to his youth, and the men marveled one at another. So he's seating his brothers according to age, and that will then feed into the appearance of him being able to divine, okay? He's a mystery adept, mystery religion adept. And we'll see that uh, in chapter 44. This is part of his plan. But also, seating them from firstborn to youngest, they would sense that God was revealing them. God is now exposing their sin. Nothing is hidden. Verse 34, and he took and sent messes unto them before him, but, J- but Benjamin's mess was five times so much as any of theirs, and they drank and were merry with him. So don't miss the way this chapter ends. In verse 34, his brethren are blessed by being at Joseph's table. They're blessed at his table, so also the table of Christ. Aren't we blessed to come to the table of his word, to come and dine, to buy bread without price? It's just all through the proposition of faith. You know, Job, or I'm sorry, Joseph loved and wanted his family. He wanted them with him. Jesus loves and wants you. He wants you with him. So don't keep starving. Don't go through life starving. Don't go through life spiritually fasting from the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't do that. He is life, and he is life more abundantly. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I'm asking that that if there is anyone here that has allowed something done in their flesh or something that the world has done to them, some lie, some spiritual deception, keep them from thriving, uh, keep them from abiding, keep them from partaking of the, the bread of life, the Lord Jesus Christ. Some did that at salvation and then they go through the rest of their life just spiritually fasting, living independent of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, these things should never be so. God, how sweet it is to abide with you. And so God, I'm praying that you'd open our eyes. If there's any here today that do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, they've never yet made their dwelling with him. God, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Uh, For those who have been hurt, they've been lied to, there's been some problem that in their mind is justification for rebellion against the Lord. God, I, I just ask that the lies of the enemy would be bound. And that, God, you would open their eyes to the truth of your great love and your great desire to have each and every one of us be a part of your home, to sit at your table. God, please let no one here die in their sin, clueless. God, I pray that you'd bring everyone to a point of decision because you're worthy. The living God, the creator of heaven and earth, gave his life for us. What else can we do but submit our lives to him? So we ask for your help this morning, all in Jesus' name, amen. 